Welcome to Belief Busters Podcast, where we change the world one belief at a time. True transformation happens when we question if the beliefs we hold are of truth, or simply someone else's belief that we have internalized as our own. I'm your host, Rev. Cherie Taylor-Jones, and I'm glad you could join us on the journey. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Belief Busters. The reason I created this podcast was because I really wanted us to look at the beliefs that we've been indoctrinated to believe as true. You know, when we come here and incarnate, we come from the oneness, right? Our souls are coming into a physical body to grow, to learn, to transform, to awaken in new and profound ways. And when we get here, we really know that there is only oneness, that we are each a part of divinity, and we are here to just be love and skin. And when we start moving around as little kids, we know it. I mean, there's just love. We don't see color. We don't see sexuality. We don't see any of that stuff. We just see another being like ourselves and we're here to love them. I'm often blown away by that unconditional love that children show really early on until they become indoctrinated into the rules and regs of our society. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember being told that I can't be loving towards everyone. I just can't run up to people and hug them and appreciate them. There was something definitely wrong with that behavior in my family. And then I learned this concept, this construct about God. And I was taught to see God as our unseen Heavenly Father, you know, the one who watches over us, cares for us, guides us, and when we are bad, punishes us. I was told that God is sovereign. It's a he, right? He is the king of kings. He is the destroyer of sinners. And that simply because I was born, I was a sinner, just based on this thing called original sin. And because of that, I couldn't even begin to have a relationship with God because I was just this sinful being. And so in this process, I learned to fear God, right? My depiction that I learned pretty early on because my family was quite religious is that it was this old white man who sat on a throne, right? Long beard. And he had in his hands the book of judgment. And according to this book, it records everyone's deeds, right? And everyone will be judged according to their actions. And I, I kind of like think, who made this up? Sounds an awful lot like Santa, doesn't it? The naughty or nice list. 
Well, according to Revelation, the book of Revelation, there are many depictions or many visions that um, are recorded in the book. And this type of writing is known as apocalyptic writing. And some theologians believe that it was uh, written by one of the 12 disciples, John the Beloved, while other theologians think the author was probably uh, Elder John the Elder, a Christian from Ephesus. And some believe that both were the same person. But the style, no matter what the author is or who the author is, is known as apocalyptic writing, which was very common for the people of ancient times. And this would have been written basically as a coded writing for insiders who would have immediately understood what all the symbolism was referencing. Think of Revelation as coded writing for those people living in the first century who believed they were being persecuted by Rome. Revelation is not about Armageddon, right? It's not about like the end of times that's coming in the future. No, this was about this time when they were looking at Nero as the persecutor, as the Romans were the persecutors of the Christians. As many of our listeners know, my background was Catholicism. You know, I grew up attending Catholic church and Catholic school. Um, so that was grammar school all the way probably till I was about 13 years old. And my personal experience was that if I questioned anything about the dogma or about God or what God was, I was really shamed about it. I was seen as a doubting Thomas, and I came to believe that my faith wasn't strong enough to even know God. But here's the thing. I wasn't questioning if God exists. I was questioning their definition of what God was, right? I was questioning their reality, their patriarchal construct of what God is. The interesting thing is, as adults, we rarely give ourselves permission to question the reality of God. Once we've been indoctrinated as children to a specific understanding of God, we often continue to go along with that version of God, you know, unless there's a significant life event. And after that life event, then we can choose several options, right? continue going through the motions of the God of our understanding from our childhood without any real connection, or we can stop believing in God because we've outgrown that idea of what God is, or we can go through a search of discovery to find truth. And many people who are in the spiritual communities that I tend to be a spiritual leader of are known as New Thought Communities. And we find these New Thought Communities because we're going on a spiritual journey. And 
most of these communities are made up of refugees, meaning that many of us have come from other religious constructs in our search for God. What we find when we come to these communities, though we are searching for truth, we still bring our old ideas with us of what we believe God to be. And then we kind of do this spin on it where we try to put our old idea of God into a new thought construct and oftentimes there's a jarring experience around our spirituality. But what we do know in our communities and new thought communities is that we do not see God as this larger than life old white man on a throne with superpowers. We don't see it as that. We don't believe that there is an anthropomorphic God, right? We understand that that is an old construct that was created by men who were trying to make sense of what God is. And what do men do? What does humanity do? We create God in our own image. But that's not the truth of who or what God is. God simply is energy. And we can use terms like principle or love or oneness or source or divine mind or the Christ, the I am, divine consciousness, Allah, Ganesh, Krishna, Elohim, whatever name we want to give to it, it's all the same entity, just energy. And that energy is love, love sacred love. One of my favorite writers in New Thought is Emily Cady, and her book that I just reference quite regularly is called The Lessons in Truth. And she reminds us that God is not a being or a person having life, intelligence, love, power. God is that invisible, intangible, but very real something we call life. God is perfect love and infinite power. God is the total of these things, the total of all good, whether manifested or unexpressed. What is she saying? Katie's really saying that God is in everything and everyone. God is the absolute good. And we humans, we live here in a relative world known as Earth which means we have free will on this plane of existence to choose to be the light or to be the darkness. You know, when things are going on in this world that just seems to be horrendous, we often think that, you know, God's got to be held accountable for this. But our idea that some God has to be held accountable really means that we're seeing God as a superhero, right? And that God's role is to somehow come and save us. But the reality is that we are here imbued with all the divinity and all of the powers of God. The allness of the universe is within each and every one of us. 
And we, we are the ones that are going to save ourselves and our brothers and sisters. Now, I know sometimes that can feel like a really daunting concept to know that, you know, each of us is here to change the planet, to make it a better place for each other, a place where everyone thrives and feels valued and is seen, right? Everyone is seen and respected. And it's hard to see that, that that's our role when we look around at the systems that are in existence here, you know. And when I'm talking about systems, I'm talking about things like healthcare system, right? Politics, governance, capitalism, socialism, education, law and order. And these systems here, they can only exist because we go into agreement with them. We go into agreement saying, yes, this is the system. If I want health care, then this is the system that I have to go into to get any type of care. And we say that this is okay. We are taught that these are the norms from the time that we arrive here on the planet, right? Our families, they want us to be good citizens. So they teach us the rules of the road, the rules of our society. And often those rules come with labels that we put on people and things to say that these are the accepted norms of our society. But as we start to awaken spiritually, we're now seeing that many of these systems, my friends, they are broken. Not only are they broken, but they are biased. They are rigged so that only a certain few will thrive in these systems. And we're seeing the outpicturing of government telling women what they can and cannot do with their bodies. We're seeing the outpicturing of systems where people, only certain people can have health care while others cannot. We're seeing the outpicturing of people who can get good education. They're entitled to having a good education while others are not. These are broken systems, my friend. Or if our children realize their sexual identity is different than the heteronormatives and therefore Department of Children and Family Services have to get involved to possibly rip our babies from us, that's a broken system. And these broken systems, they impact us unconsciously in our daily lives. Now, most of us can agree that many of the systems that were initially put in place were put in place to support us, right? They came into existence with good intentions, but they have somehow been co-opted into something else. And yet we're afraid to call these things out because we feel overwhelmed at the scope of the issues or... We don't, just don't know how to fix it, right? So better to have a broken system than no system at all? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's the answer. 
But what I do know is that we cannot fix what's broken through the logic of our intellect or legislature, right? We've been trying to fix this for decades. So we can't fix the brokenness from the level of brokenness. What we are called to do is to create anew. So how do we do that? I think we have to look at it from a spiritual perspective. We have to look at it from beyond the realm of erroneous systems that are in place now. It's about coming back into oneness with God and with the truth of who we are, right? And what's the truth? The truth is that we are divinity in skin, that we are here to be the magnificent expression of God, of the universe, as you, as me. And we are here then to create a place where everyone is treated with respect, dignity, and value. And the only way that I know for us to do that is to claim our oneness. To claim our oneness. So I think that this is a an amazing opportunity for us to be alive right now on this planet during this time where we are awakening and seeing that things, things that we thought were working aren't really working. That the norms that we've been indoctrinated to believe as acceptable are no longer acceptable. And so now is the time for us to really embrace a new way of being. It doesn't come from destruction. It comes from reclamation. Reclamation. Behold, we make all things new. So we don't have to be afraid of destroying what exists. Because what we as spiritual beings are being called to do is to reclaim and re-know truth. So I hope that you are as excited as I am to be on this spiritual journey to really create a world where each and every one of us thrives, loves, is valued, and matters. Thanks for being with us. If you are enjoying these conversations about assessing your belief systems and how to transform outdated beliefs, then please subscribe and give us a positive review. To support this podcast and its transformative work, you can also become a sponsor for as little as $5 a month. You can reach Rev. Cherie at info at beliefbusterspodcast.org. To continue on this journey of evolution, you can also get my book, Turning Your Why into Why Not, at Amazon or any other bookstores, which gives you practical tools to do this work. See you next time on the flip side.